0: Isaac Morehouse, welcome to the podcast where we discuss education, entrepreneurship, big ideas, how to put them into practice in the real world, and above all, how to live free. How can you go straight from high school to working in the marketing department at a growing Bitcoin startup? Praxis, that's how. One of today's sponsors is Praxis, and James Walpole, a Praxis alum, did exactly that. He applied to the program right out of high school, decided to defer college for a year. Uh, he had been accepted at a few schools, jump into Praxis with both feet. He was placed at a Bitcoin company based in Atlanta doing uh, all kinds of interesting work helping small businesses adopt the technology. He loved it. He engaged with his work and the Praxis curriculum and educational experience, He ended up launching a podcast. He started blogging regularly. He started doing digital marketing consulting on the side in addition to his job. He ended up getting hired on full time after the program as so many of our graduates do. Now he's working there while most of his peers have just finished one year of more classrooms under more fluorescent lights and cinder blocks, filling out more assignments and struggling to make it to class on time, a repeat of high school. He's been out there in the world. He already has the job that he had hoped college would help him get. Zero debt, no wasted time. He's creating the life he wants. You can too. Check it out, discoverpraxis.com. I'm not going to promise you it's easy. I'm not going to promise you you'll get in. It's a tough program, it's competitive. And once you're in, you got to be all in. It's on you to get out of it what you want, but if you show the effort and commitment, I guarantee you the Praxis advisors and coaches will help you create the life that you want. DiscoverPraxis.com. Now back to the show. Today, I am joined by George Beal. George, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, so, what I want to talk about today is this startup that you were a part of, which is called Everipedia. And let's start by talking about the problem that EverApedia exists to solve. Every startup is, is there to, to solve a problem. So, the problem is Wikipedia. What is wrong with Wikipedia, George? A lot of us use it, a lot of us like it. Is there something about it that's lacking?
1: Yeah, so there's a lot of problems that all sort of stem back to the fact that Wikipedia is very hard to edit, and for that reason, there's a very small niche group of editors that controls all of this information we consume. Um, So what a lot of people don't quite realize is that you actually have to code in Wikipedia pages using this coding language called wiki markup, which is sort of like a combination of C++ and HTML that they created. So it's definitely pretty intensive and requires a technical background in order to contribute. And that leads to only about 30,000 people actually being Wikipedia editors, while over a billion people consume the information. And since this number is so small, Wikipedia really has this deletionist mentality because they pretty much allow all of their editors free reign on the site. So for that reason, about a 1,000 pages get deleted every single week, especially pages for very famous people. For example, one of the founders of Rap Genius, which is a billion-dollar company, has had his page deleted seven times and still to this day does not have a page just because some of the editor base doesn't like him. Um, So ultimately what it really comes back to is They are censoring a lot of information, whether it's keeping it off the site of a page entirely or just not even allowing a page to be created. And we ultimately said, who are they to say what is and is not legitimate information? So as long as someone has uh, citations and all the information is cited and represents what is cited, we allow anyone or anything or anywhere to get a page on Everpedia and our editing interface is a simple text editor, um, just what you would assume Wikipedia was. Um, so it's very easy and um, intuitive to add links, info boxes, uh, pictures, videos, whatever. And then we also go above and beyond and allow you know people's social media profiles, blogs, things like that, that aren't allowed on Wikipedia uh, to be added onto people's pages.
0: So has Wikipedia always been this way where they um, delete a lot of things if there's any errors or questions uh, where they're kind of tightly controlled or have they moved to this model over time for some particular reason
1: yeah so so pretty much so Wikipedia just turned 15 and for pretty much the entire 15 years they've had this bureaucracy Um, and so pretty much how it works is your first hundred edits or so will just automatically be deleted uh, because they pretty much are just hazing you to prove that you want to really be in this community. As you sort of build up edits and, you know, become established in the community, you get placed in this ladder format. And pretty much the more seniority you have, you can overrule anyone beneath you. So the top editor of Wikipedia, if he really wanted to, he could say Mark Zuckerberg founded Twitter um, and he would get away with it. And so they, they've really always sort of fallen back on this sort of ladder hierarchy. And with that, they've been very free about deleting information. Um, and the way they sort of justify it is that they have this quote unquote, legitimacy rule. But when you have a very small group of people, you know arbitrarily saying oh this is or is not legitimate information you know it's like where does that line get drawn um you know because to everyone something is legitimate um
0: so the um the founder of rap genius that you mentioned he is one yeah. of the founders of everipedia is that correct
1: yes so okay. he he okay. since left uh, rap genius 2 years ago and then has since joined our company
0: so you know, if you're somebody who has used Wikipedia and not really had like particular problems with it, or at least you haven't, you're not aware of of problems you've had with it. Maybe you could be getting something better, but you don't really know. How do you convince those people? Hey, this is a this is a problem. Wikipedia is not as good as it could be. Um, or I guess, how would you respond if someone said? Hey, that's all great, George. But just cause like somebody got mad that their page was deleted and decided that they needed to, you know, prevent that doesn't mean that everyone feels that Wikipedia is problematic. What is there any way to gauge like the climate of the market? Is there dissatisfaction with Wikipedia broadly? Have you, have you found that, or maybe the best way to gauge it is the kind of traction you've got, you guys have experienced at Everpedia. What, what are your thoughts on, um, the perception of Wikipedia more broadly?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think, um, you know, you you do bring up a a good point that, you know, overall, if you sort of talk to people and they're like, do you notice problems with Wikipedia? The majority of people probably will say no. Um, But where we really see the impact is number one, there are books upon books written by ex Wikipedia editors who end up leaving the community because they hate the bureaucracy and Mm -hmm. the, you know, this sort of deletionist mentality so much. Um, And, you know, we get outreach all the time from ex Wikipedia editors who did, you know, thousands and thousands of edits and saying, thank you for doing this, because this is exactly what Wikipedia should have been from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so we have seen a lot of Positive feedback from people who used to edit Wikipedia in terms of actually consuming uh, the thing we notice a lot is One of the biggest things people will search when they're trying to learn about people places or things is they'll add wiki or bio to it so, you know, you might look up George Beale wiki if you were trying to learn more about me or anything like that and for a lot of people there isn't a Wikipedia page for it. So then we end up sort of filling in that gap. Um, and then ultimately, I guess the the biggest thing that I'll tell that I think most people can resonate with is growing up and then also, you know, I guess in our older life, I think everybody has thought at some point how cool it would be if I had a Wikipedia page about myself.
0: <laughs> um,
1: and, you know, a lot of us have probably even tried to get pages about ourselves, but ultimately it doesn't stay up and so i think that sort of mentality that wikipedia ultimately is saying to all of us you're not important enough to be learned about your life doesn't matter um or you know your company your startup whatever does not matter and isn't cool enough to be learned about ultimately what we are saying is that you know all information has some consumer so why not let all information be shared and i think that's really where no, maybe Wikipedia isn't doing a bad job, but they're not doing a good enough job.
0: Yeah, you know it's interesting. Um, I have found many times on Wikipedia where I just wish there was more information. Where I'll be surprised yeah. that a person or an idea doesn't even have an entry, or I go to an entry and there's hardly anything there. And one of the areas I've noticed this the most with is like I I love. I love looking into crazy wacky conspiracy theories and I like I like the sort of the I'm intrigued by where they originate and why people like some of these ideas or how some of them are tied into whatever. And so if you're looking up something that's goofy or funny or out of the norm or it's something that's like, you know, basically probably untrue but some people believe it, yeah. I want to go see, okay, I don't think it's true and I don't think the majority of people think it's true and certainly not scientists or experts. But I want to see what the people who believe it, what is their claim, what are their arguments, what are the counterarguments. And sometimes if theories are like fringe or whatever, they just don't have a page at all. And I think that's probably because they want to they wanna only have things that are credible. But yeah. I want to know like what are the discreditable credible things because if you're not familiar with them – uh, I don't think that helps you. Uh, I don't think that yeah. makes you more knowledgeable to sort of not wa- know why something is wrong. So I've just found several times, oh, I wish they had more about this. Like, I know it's wacky, like, or they'll just have like an offhand mention of, you know, some people believe in blah, 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 ism. And I'm like, I want to be able to click on that. I want to know more about that. That sounds hilarious. You know, and there's like yeah. nothing there so often.
1: Yeah, no, no, definitely. And especially, uh, That was one of the things that we definitely saw a bigger problem with is not only do they limit pages, but also what content is allowed on pages gets censored a lot. So for example, there was a page uh, a couple months ago that we made. And so this woman sort of came out of the woodworks and accused this rapper who was coming up in the ranks, just got a really big record deal, ended up accusing him of raping her in a blog post that she wrote about or she wrote on her own blog and you know you didn't see any mention of this sort of controversy on his wikipedia page uh because you know there's no scholarly information saying that it's true but everybody wanted to learn more about you know what exactly did she claim you know where was a link to this blog post what was sort of the comeback, you know, what did he respond with, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, we included all of this on her page and just framed it exactly how the link cited. You know, we didn't say he did rape her or, you know, he has allegations of rape. We just put this woman on her blog stated that he raped her, um, you know, and then included all of the other sort of information that was provided. But um, because Wikipedia doesn't allow – blogs or non scholarly publications um, or links on pages none of that information was able to be shared with people
0: yeah that's interesting just the difference between saying sharing that some th- information exists versus endorsing that information and it can appear I mean just to say this exists can in some ways appear as a tacit endorsement and I understand the sensitivity yeah. but I think I think people are relatively accustomed through Quora and Reddit and Amazon reviews to this sort of, and Yelp reviews, crowdsourced idea where everyone kind of knows, look, just because it's out there doesn't mean that it has weight or that it's valid. We'll sort of let the, the, you know, wisdom of the crowds sort it out, whether, you know, the weight of it or the validity of it, but let's at least know what's there. Let's not have things hidden. This is one of the things in the information age that is amazing is that you can have infinite information. and to prevent overload, you don't need to just randomly cut stuff off. You can have mechanisms that allow sort of the crowd, the users to weight that information and rate it and those let let it rise to the top, um, yeah. you know rather than pick and choose. So okay, so that's the problem. We've got this problem that Wikipedia has a, a limited amount of information. Um, uh, policies that could allow somebody with a vendetta or whatever, a very small number of editors could could remove a lot of stuff, which does happen. So there's a gap in the marketplace where a lot of people, companies, whatever, they want their own pages or they want to know more information about something. Mm-hmm. So how does Everpedia, how did you guys start and what have you done so far in terms of the traction to uh, filling this gap?
1: Yeah, so, so the original two founders, so there's now five founders, but so the original two, one was a senior at UCLA two years ago now, and uh, the other was one of his friends in Sweden, and so pretty much they you know talked a lot, and they would sort of short share stories of people that they met uh, over Facebook chat, and so, you know, if they met some guy at, you know, a talk or some event or whatever, they would like send a link and then they would say, oh, okay, let me go and try and find his Instagram or his blog or whatever. And they're like, oh, I can't find it. But then the other one would then search and could find it. And so pretty much they thought like, oh, why isn't there a page where each person has their own page and it's just a storage of all of the links related to that person. So pretty much like an encyclopedia article of – your Google results, except like taking out any Google results that aren't related to you. Um, so pretty much just a verified Google result almost. Um, and then they, they sort of were talking about this and they realized, wait, isn't this exactly what Wikipedia is supposed to be? Um, and then they looked into it. Both of them were Wikipedia editors. So they were familiar with a lot of the problems. And they thought, okay, let's try and build this Almost Wikipedia, and then they also took a lot of uh, direction from Reddit as well. So, in the link section of the site, you can actually up and down vote links just like you can on Reddit. And with that, um, you know, that's another sort of way to crowdsource the information and, you know, get rid of bad things or promote good articles. So, that's how they ended up starting out uh, about six months after they originally started. Mofbud, the previous founder of Rap Genius joined, and then one of Sam, the CEO's uh, friends, who's a full-stack developer, um, joined the team. And then about six months after them, myself and the final founder ended up joining. And uh, since then, we've done about, well, we do about three million page views a month um, with pretty good growth metrics across all of our stats. and yeah, we've just been very growing steadily and slowly, but uh, you know we see a, a pretty good bump in traffic each month and that's all we can ask for.
0: What is the biggest challenge that Everpedia faces right now? Is it you've got too much crappy content or you don't have enough content, period? Or what is, what's the big hurdle that you're working on, the challenge you're working on right now overcoming?
1: So we just finished uh importing all of Wikipedia. So that was our our big hurdle for a while. Um and so pretty much because so, so,
0: ev- so everything that's on Wikipedia is now also on Everpedia. Yes. That's so, very cool. So you've got that as a starting point and then plus more. That's really cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you know, we already have more information on our site than Wikipedia has on theirs. And um So yeah, because at first, the biggest problem was, you know, people go to our site and everyone would just think of what's, you know, what's the first generic thing that you think of when you're looking at an encyclopedia. The one we got a lot was the Civil War. And, Mm you know, of course, we're not going to rewrite the Civil War page, because realistically, whatever's on Wikipedia is probably the full history of the Civil War. So there was no point in us rewriting, you know, those 5 million pages. So we ended up building a very, very, very complex um, algorithm for importing their information. Um, And so that just finished. And so now, you know, we're at about 5.5 million pages. And so our big challenge right now is just ensuring that we can keep growing the community of editors because, you know, just as I said, the biggest problem with wikipedia is that they have a very small editor base um so the more people we can get involved with the site the more people we can have get signed up make pages for themselves their friends their startups their friends startups whatever um that will really be the key to success for us in the long term and will what will and is what will allow us to overtake wikipedia in the long run
0: so when I go, I'm on Everipedia. So I, I typed in praxis, and uh, on page two of the results, there it is, and it's pulled from our our um, our Wikipedia page, uh, praxis entrepreneurship. So you know it's this is from when we launched a few years ago. So there's some small structural changes to the program. So let's say I wanted to edit this. How easy is it? It says, uh, want to change something on this page or create your own register today. It's faster free. What, if I were wanted to do that, what all would be involved in me becoming an editor or at least just editing this one page?
1: Yeah. So, so pretty much you just, you have to make an account. Um, and so we have login with Facebook and Twitter buttons, um, or you can sign in with your email if you don't want to do social media. Um, and so, you know, any of those three ways you can get signed up within just probably a minute or two. Um, and then once you're logged in, you can go to any page and there's, you know, just a little edit button at the top, like right or so corner. Um, if you click on that, it'll take you to the edit screen for the page. And if you want to edit the wiki, it's, you know, just a simple text editor. So you can type in all of, all the information you want to add, um, do anything you want there and then you know, tagging other pages. So, you know, if you wanted to tag yourself as the founder of Praxis, uh, it's just an at sign and then you type in your name and then click on your page and it'll tag to that page, uh, which is just how, you know, you tag people on Facebook. Um, If you want to do citations, it's the same thing, except you use an asterisk and then you can cite whatever links are on the page. Um, And then adding links, there's a little section at the bottom where you just paste link and click add link. Um, And then similar thing for info boxes on the left hand side of the page.
0: So what, uh, you know, let's say I go in here and I put, uh, you know, Isaac Morehouse, the CEO of Praxis is also the world's best basketball player. uh, And I, and I post that now what's going to be the process if nobody else sees it or cares Mm -hmm. about it, it will just stay there but if some other user sees it and says that can't be right, they go and edit it. Oh, what, what, how does that work? And what if I monitor it every day and I keep trying to go back and change it so that it says that, how, how do you sort of deal with people kind of trying to deliver, deliberately manipulate the system or put in, yeah. uh, you know, untrue information?
1: Yeah. So, so we do have um, a core team of probably 30 editors who monitor the site constantly. Um, obviously there's, small times where you know pretty much everyone's asleep but you know we go back and we have a live feed and you can check on the home page everyone can see a live feed of all edits that have made have been made and so you know if something happens that you know they didn't cite their information um you know we'll try and find a citation and add to it so that way you know people know it is verified information if we go and we can't find anything um we'll end up taking the information off the site uh obviously we'll try pretty hard to find the information first but ultimately if we don't know that it's true it does get removed um if things are put in you know first person or if they're using sort of superlatives you know sort of like oh he's the best basketball player ever or you know uh he only eats sushi or things like that, you know, again, if it's, if it's sort of very clearly stated information that doesn't have a citation, uh, we end up having it removed. Okay. Then if people continue to try to sort of abuse the site, so either if people go on there, so the other thing is, you're not allowed to remove information if it is cited. So, you know, if someone tries to go onto Praxis's page and remove you as the founder and CEO, um, we would put that information back up. And then, if if it becomes a problem, um, we do end up banning people. So, you know, if someone continues to try and put up false information, um, we will ban them. Or if they continue too much to try to delete information, they'll be banned.
0: So on the page, I see there are uh, ads. So I assume you guys are for profit. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So um, Wikipedia is nonprofit. What was the decision to go for profit? And does that present challenges to you guys that, cause I know people have this, uh, I'm a big fan of making everything for profit whenever possible. I think it makes it better, more accountable, but people have this sort of idea that if it's nonprofit somehow it's more, you know, sort of above the fray. This is like a general perception. Do you have any unique challenges going the for-profit route uh, as well as sort of what, what made you do that?
1: Um, I mean, I, I guess only time will truly tell. Um, you know, so far, I don't think we have seen that problem so far with any of the people who have interacted with our site. Um, and then in terms of, I guess, us versus Wikipedia, you know, realistically, um, ben Horowitz told the Wall Street Journal, I believe, a couple of years ago, if Wikipedia were for profit, it would be worth over $250 billion because of their traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, Wikipedia will never be able to convert back to or, – or back to a for-profit company because uh, the people who actually originally built Wikipedia were never paid for their work uh, because it was – a nonprofit. And so for that reason, they'll never be able to charge money or generate money off of that software, uh, because of legal reg- regulations. Um, so for that reason, you know, I don't really see any, I guess, major competitors. And then in terms of public response to us being profit or for profit, I think, you know, you sort of nailed it on the head where people are very familiar with these sort of knowledge aggregation sites, sort of like Reddit and Quora. Um, and know how to discern between you know what's probably a little bit sketch and what's actually like just real. Information.
0: <laughs> um, your personal story, let's talk a little bit about you. Like I know you had, you had another startup previous to this. Is that right? Yes. But you're pretty uh-huh. young. So give me, give me your origin story.
1: So, so yeah, so I guess, uh, It all sort of starts back with my great-grandfather, who ended up leaving his home in Indiana when he was 16, and slowly moved his way out to California, where he ended up settling down. And in 1919, he had the patents on the first effective storage battery and set up his factory. And ended up becoming the sole supplier of batteries for all machinery used by the Allies during World War II and then also was attributed for being the reason that the first uh, global flight was capable of happening um, because uh, the Rattan brothers uh, thanked my grandfather for his battery and said that he was the reason it was possible. Um, Anyways, I always grew up hearing his story. Uh, I was always very impressed and admired just how much he was able to achieve in his life and how much value he was really able to give. Uh, you know, Because of his battery designs, which for the most part are still in their original um, design today, uh, we are now able to fly long distance and make turns because previous designs would have had the battery acid leak if a plane made a bank turn. Um, so anyways, you know, he added a lot of value to society, did some incredible things and ultimately nobody knows who he is or even thinks about what he did. Uh, you know, he wasn't looking for fame. He wasn't looking, uh, to be incredibly remembered or even make a fortune. Uh, he was always a very generous man. And for that reason, I, I really just grew up focusing on, the ideal of trying to add value to society and die with the world being better off than it was when I was born. Um, with that, uh, I ended up going to the Wharton school. I had the idea for a hardware company, um, that was sort of like Legos meets hardware, um, that you could combine whatever sort of pieces of technology you want together. So if you wanted, you know, some touch screens, speakers, a joystick, whatever, you can connect it together in a very simple, um, plug and play fashion and end up having the perfect device for whatever needs you had at the time.
0: And this was called um, touch tiles.
1: Yes. Yes. So then, so I ended up leaving school for touch tiles, uh, worked on it full time for about 14 or 15 months. Um, and then we ended up hitting some engineering problems that we couldn't work past. Um, and so we ended up, uh, selling off the IP that we had, and the hardware that we had. Um, and then about that time, um, I had known the Everpedia guys for a couple months at that point. And uh, so they recruited me to be a founder at Everpedia. Um, and then so I've been with Everpedia since January of this
0: year. So with Touch Tiles, did you have a background, a deep knowledge of hardware, uh, where did the idea come from and, and, sort of what skills did you have and what skills did you have to find elsewhere?
1: Um, so yeah, so I did have a, I don't want to say a very complex technical background, but I mean, I did know how I could code in Java, JavaScript, um, C plus plus, and then like HTML, CSS. Um, and so, and then I had like a very minor electrical engineering background. Um, So I ended up building the first iteration of our prototype myself, but I knew that in the grand scheme of things, I would have to bring on another more skilled um, technical founder. Um, So I ended up recruiting work through a couple of different engineers and that was ultimately, I guess, the bigger problem is in the grand scheme of things, the product would have needed someone who probably had about twenty years of PCB experience, <laughs> um, which is realistically someone who's very content with their job at Apple, Samsung, or Google. Um, so, so yeah, so I mean, that was um, a bit of where the problem happened, and definitely looking back, uh, did take a lot of good lessons about. You know exactly what skills you need when you're starting a startup and what you need to think about um, when launching a company, especially when it's related to tech and even specifically hardware.
0: You know, it's amazing. I mean, even though you weren't able to get the company where you wanted, you were able to sell it, uh, let, let that give, open up opportunities for the next thing that you're working on, which is what you're doing now. Um, all in all, it's a pretty amazing, amazing thing. It's just one of those things that we talk about a lot that, you know, even if you, you know, it's a quote unquote fail, or even if your, your company doesn't get where you envisioned it getting the experience itself can be huge, but that, but it's a scary thing to do. Can can you talk to me about like, when you had the idea for Mm -hmm. touch tiles what helped you get over the, oh, I'm just a kid. I don't know how to launch a company. What helped you actually decide to, to make it a reality?
1: So I ended up talking with one of my friends and we we both were like really interested in the idea. And then he had some connections at some tech companies that he thought, you know, so it was originally going to be more of an acquisition play. And, and so... When we were sort of looking at it like that, we you know there wasn't much risk because he was pretty confident that we would be able to get the acquisition fairly easily and it would just be sort of like a cool thing to do um, we could build it up a little bit and then you know make some good money um, so when you're thinking of it like that you know there's not quite as much risk um, eventually after working on it for a bit, I was a lot more in love with the project than i think he was uh so i ended up working on it full time and he wanted to focus on going to school so he ended up parting ways with the company and i just stuck with it and built it up to what it ended up being um so yeah so i think with that sort of thing it, it just more sort of happened um definitely when I was starting, I didn't quite know exactly what it would become. Um, and yeah, so there wasn't a whole ton of, you know, SWOT analysis or things like that, that I put into deciding whether or not to work on it and whether or not to leave school.
0: That, that stuff is always uh, great after the fact, when you're, <laughs> when you're looking back, it's better yeah, to just start yeah. doing stuff, uh, um, jump in with both feet. So in terms of Everipedia, do you have any kind of goals for let's say the next six months to 12 months uh, are there specific targets you're trying to hit are you guys raising money what, what's sort of the status of the company
1: yeah so I mean I think we've definitely been following I guess Genius's roadmap for their early years a bit
0: by the way I love genius I, I still call it rap genius but I yeah
1: I, yeah um, but uh Yeah, so pretty much up until now, we've been hitting all of the benchmarks for, you know, early website companies about three times faster than Genius hit them. And so, you know, we hit one million on Alexa, a hundred thousand on Alexa, and then a million page views a month, um, all three times faster than Genius ever hit them. And so we've just sort of been trying to keep up this rat race a bit of, you know, trying to grow faster than Genius ever did. And so the next major benchmark is hitting 10 million page views a month. Um, So we're hoping to hit that pretty soon. Um, It'll be interesting to see if we can keep up the 3X pattern uh, just because when Genius ended up bumping from 2 million to 10 million, that was mainly because Ben Horowitz invested right around then and they just left Y Combinator. So they were getting a lot of press and attention simply for those things. And that's what really sort of... Bump them over the hill to hit the 10 million mark. Um, but you know, we have a lot of good stuff in play and, you know, like I was saying, our, our traffic's been growing at a pretty good rate so far. So we're just going to keep it up and hopefully we can see the numbers grow.
0: That is awesome. So what do you want, uh, for our listeners, just go to everpedia.com, start looking around, uh, sign up, become an editor. Is that the, the, the main takeaway you'd have?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, definitely, we're always interested in getting people involved in the community. And if any of them are interested in focusing on certain categories of information, you know, we've had people only upload like hockey players, because they're really interested in hockey, or, uh, you know, startups, or whatever, any sort of information is extremely valuable for our community. And then definitely reach out to us and the team, um, because we're always Loving to hear people's feedback and if there's any way we can improve the site uh, to make the whole experience a little bit better.
0: What's the best way to get a hold of you? Do you have a Twitter handle? or? Uh, yeah, no, you can reach out
1: um, either to me personally at, uh, at the George, no, George P. Beal. Um, Two
0: L's and Beal. <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, on Twitter or you can just search me on Facebook. I think my Facebook URL is george.beal.73 um, or you can reach out to the Everpedia Twitter which is just at Everpedia.
0: George, thank you so much for uh, coming on. Definitely check out Everpedia especially if there is stuff that is not on Wikipedia that you wish was there and you don't have the time or inclination to learn there programming language to go through all the process of getting approved as an editor, go over to Everipedia, post it there. And, uh, I'm excited to see what you guys do.
1: Yeah. thanks you for having me.
0: You bet. Have a great day.
1: You too. Bye.
0: if you're a fan of the show do me a huge favor go to itunes give it a rating or review a rating is only a simple click of a button or if you're on your phone a tap of a finger and it will help people find the show a lot easier and if you have a little extra time write a review what you think about the show honest opinion That stuff goes a long way in giving more exposure to the podcast. What do you get out of all of it? You get the pleasure of knowing that as more people start listening, you get to say, I was there first.